Welcome to the Inquisitive Tourist. My name is Nate Ralph and thank you for joining me. For those of you already listening, welcome back. And if it's your first time here, welcome to an ever-growing community of listeners. I'd love to welcome you on board personally. Well, all over the world now, we're building a community with listeners in 53 countries and counting. So we've hit the big 50 and I'm really, really happy about that. And thank you again for all of your support. I really do appreciate it. Well, today I'm going to be speaking to someone who was born and raised in the city of Dere Lakakala, Kapultala, in the northern state of the Punjab. Now, I'd like to say that I apologize greatly for the accent in advance. Bear with me, please. He lived there till the age of 19. It was between the years of 1995 and 2015 that he's since relocated to Portugal. Let's get his first-hand story of how life was like there by talking to him. His name is Jagjit Singh. Jagjit, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me on this show, Matt. And I, I really love the way you said about my, my city, you know, Dere Lakhankala. I love that. And uh, <laughs> I'm so glad, I'm so happy that uh, I have the chance to speak about my country a little bit now. No, so thank you very much. No, you're more than welcome. So could you say your city again? Dere Lakhankala. Dere Lakhankala Kapultala. Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. But no, thank you, uh, Jagjit, for coming on. I, I just feel that many people, uh, in, in all the traveling I've done, I meet people all over the world. It doesn't matter where I go. Often India comes up in the discussion. Yeah, I, I find that many people are fascinated by your country, and it's such a large country. Um, and your childhood was there. Your formative years were in India. And I hope that by talking to you, that the listeners can can really see what life was like for so many millions of Indians who were born and raised there. I think it just creates a fascination uh, on an amazing level for for so many. So to kick us off, could I ask you, I mean, were you from a, a very big family? Did you have many siblings, many cousins? How, how was that like? All right. So this is a very interesting question because I have been born in my village called Deir Lakhankala. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have a big family, like huge family with the, like my dad, about three brothers, and they got married and they have kids. And then the neighborhood, you know, a lot of kids around us. And uh, yeah, I had a lot of cousins and a big family. And I was growing up in a family where I almost 10 kids in the one house and all the time, like a lot of fun, fight and, you know, do different stuff. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. 10 children in one house. Yeah, yeah, like a joint family. Wow. So would you say big families in, in your part of India, in, in the Punjab, and just India in general, is the norm? Yeah, I think it's quite normal in India, and they like to have a big family, you know. These days might be not the same, same as before, but like 20 years ago, it was like like they, they considered it a blessing from God having a big family. Mm. So. That's, that's very interesting. So... Would it be very rare that you would find uh, a married couple without children? That was a very rare thing? Yeah, yeah, very rare thing. I would say, like, even somebody can't have kids by, you know, like some other issues or, and uh, naturally they, they are not capable to have kids. The people considering them, you know, like a little bit, probably they say something about, oh, why probably, why they're not good and why they don't want a kid. They were considering a bit low if they don't have a kid. So that means 
for Indians, it's really valuable thing to have a kids. Yeah. They consider it like creature. Yeah. Right. Like they, they literally view it as a blessing from God. Yeah, that's true. That is fascinating. And your, you said the, the 10 children growing up in, uh, in your family. So yeah. are many of them living still in India today? Yeah, well, actually, six of us lives in India. I mean, my sisters and brother, two brothers and four sisters are in India. And four of us, like cousin brothers, and we are out in Portugal, and I'm in Europe. Oh, fantastic. So you're not the only one in Portugal? No, no, I'm not the only one. Okay. I had my cousin already here, so that's why somehow I ended up in Portugal. Okay, so that's why you relocated. It wasn't necessarily for work or for other reasons? Not really, because I I had my family here, and in India is always something, you know, they hear, hear about Europe, and they they look, think about this is a really good thing to go out in Europe and settle down. And yeah, mm. that's why I came here. It must be quite a change for you from, uh, from the Punjab to Portugal, but we'll get onto that in a little bit, because first of all, I want to ask you now you're from the Punjab region. That's in the North of the country. That's correct. Yeah, it is in North. And, yeah, Punjab. and Jajit, um, what cities or, or perhaps they were villages. Did you live in, uh, in the 19 years that you were there? Yeah, my city was Kapootla. is a like a, like city with probably one hundred forty or thirty town, like small villages. Okay, and uh, yeah, so that's Kapootla. That's the name of the city. Yeah, the big city, like you know, KPT. Right, and then the the complicated name Deri Lakankala. Is that like a little? Yeah, village? that was my village. Ah, okay, okay. And how many people live there? Uh, in my village, there wasn't much, many people, about like, you know, five, six hundred. Wow. But then we had like small, you know, villages just next to another one, next to another one. And they were like every like half, half an hour or, you know, even like few minutes drive, you find another village. And that's also like five, six hundred people. And then another village, there is a thousand people. It was very close to each other. That is amazing because I mean you're telling me you grew up in a in a in a household with ten children, so I'm assuming there's a a couple of adults there at least. Let's call it twelve. So in a village of six hundred, you're talking about fifty families could make up that village. I mean, yeah, assuming that they all have quite a lot of children, of course. But I mean that's a very small community, right? Like everyone knows everyone by name. Yeah, that's true. Well, like because the. Families are very close to each other, but as they grow, you know, more and more, then they start moving somewhere. Like I came in Europe now, now the kids who have born after me, they don't know my name and they don't know who I am. So this has been changed. But usually when I was there, we know quite a lot of around us, even like next to our town or village, we know a lot of people around us. Mm. Do you think that's quite, I mean, it must be quite sad in a way. If, you, if you're living in a very close-knit community where everyone knows everyone's families so well and then the kids start flying the nest and ending up all over the world, is it quite a sad thing or is it celebrated? Uh, in a way, it's a sad thing and it's also a sort of celebration because it's to the leaving family or letting go of your kids. It's a sad thing, you know. Mm. But at the same time, when they leave, they, they, you know, start getting settled down somewhere and they 
start making their life and then they help their family. So that's something like they celebrate, okay, our kids are not anymore, you know, like looking for jobs here or, or you know, looking for how they're going to settle down in their life. So that's the thing is different between they go out is sad, but when they settle down and then they go back or they call their family, that make them to celebrate that our kids are now settle somewhere mm, in, mm. The, in the Europe. Yeah. Mm, no, that's beautiful. And maybe they can visit their, their children in Europe. I mean, do they have the financial means to be able to do that? A lot of them or, or not really? Yeah, well, actually, you probably you now from UK and you know that a lot of people in UK, mm. how did they come? They, you know, the families and their kids and then they settled down or maybe father or son came in the UK or anywhere in Europe. Mm. And then they try to bring their families and then they start making family and family and family. That's why you can see Indians everywhere around the world. It's true. There's a big, uh, big Indian community in the UK. Hopefully many of them might even listen to this and it can bring back some smiles and memories to their, to their faces and yeah. minds. But you, you, your city. So for the 19 years, you always were based near Kaputala. Is that correct? Yeah. Kaputala. And you mentioned jobs. So for young people growing up, had you stayed there, Jagjit, what would you be doing for work now as a possibility? Well, for me, you know, you still can have some goals, even being in India and Punjab, because I, I was always interested in sports from my childhood. Uh, just a little story. When I was like growing up in my family, I I was like eight or nine year old, very young when I started helping my family, you know, in with the farming or helping them in in dairy farming. So we had a lot of buffaloes at home. So I was helping them. And then I used started to work out in the age of eight, like, you know, go for push-ups and running and doing different things. Mm. So I had my goal to go for, you know, some sport and some wrestling. I was, you know, preparing myself as I was getting, growing up. And, uh, then suddenly when I decided to come to Europe, that, you know, changes my life. But if I would be still there in India, I would have gone for, you know, like any sport, maybe like professionally wrestling or kabaddi. Mm, I've heard about kabaddi. Yeah. Isn't that where, like, yeah. correct me if I'm wrong, I'm probably completely incorrect by saying this. Some guys kind of yeah. like almost jump around, say, like chanting kabaddi, 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 or is that not, not the case? No, well, it used to be like, you know, like probably old time when probably my dad or my granddad, they used to play and they used to play by saying kabaddi, 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 kabaddi for probably 30 seconds. And that means you keep your breath, you know, alive. Ah, but okay. this time is only, yeah, this time is there certain time, like half minute, you have to do the touch and then go back to your team again. Mm. So that's the circle of kabaddi you know so did you enjoy kabaddi you enjoyed it very much it was one of your favorite sports yeah i started it when i was like teen i i was really good at because as i said i i grew up from my childhood doing workout push-ups so i was good at some point when i grew up and i played a little bit but then like my big brother uh he like trained me he's like 10 years older than me and he trained me as a as a teenager, you know, go for push-ups and do a lot of things. And then that helps me to grow really strong and big. And then we had a food at home, like, you know, drinking milk every day, fresh milk and yogurt and 
these things helped me to you know get really stronger. So then I played kabaddi, and I was quite good in that. And goes to gym, and yeah. Interesting. So while we're on the topic of of exercise and so on, so you feel that you were able to achieve um, a good physique through yogurt and milk. No, I mean, of course, you have to work out. You know, you can't just sit and drinking milk. That wouldn't help you. <laughs> of course but, not. No. <laughs> that's quite a funny vision. Like, yeah, I mean, you have to do something that, like, for example, I was doing some work with my family. And, like, we have, like, grander, the big grander for buffaloes. I, I mean, if anybody Indian or people from Punjab who will hear it, they know we call it toka, like that's a Punjabi word. It's like a big grinder. And we used to run that grinder with the hands. Mm. And that gives you a lot of power, like really good cardio and strengthen. And I started that sort of workout when I was eight or nine. So that means after that, I drink milk and I drink yogurt. And that just gives me the boost, like crazy power. That's fantastic. I think maybe maybe us here in the Western world need to take some lessons from from the Indians and uh, you know in terms of dietary supplementation for for working out. <laughs> yeah. No, that's funny stuff. But so you know, you mentioned about you know there were obviously opportunities for you um, with your parents. So they were farmers. I mean, were they basically living off of the the field or farming? That was their sort of was that where one hundred percent of their income uh, and l- livelihood came from. No, in fact, my my dad went to abroad for for a little while, and then some reasons he has to go back while we were still like you know like young kids, and then he he went back, and then he started self employed some work, and then we had like farming, like we had a dairy farming, and that was the most income was coming, and that's why we were as a kid, and I was as a kid putting in my effort to help my family to, you know, just keep going. And so that was the most big source of our income to to growing up buffaloes and selling the milk and, you know, and doing the farming. And like, is that the same with, say, all of your friends that you grew up with at school uh, and all the young children that were young along with you at the same time? Was the livelihood of their parents also the same thing? Yeah, that was pretty much, I would say, everyone has that sort of life. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. So it's, it's, it's fully reliant on that, uh, on that agricultural way of life. That's, that's really cool. So yeah, it, it kind of leads me on to a question, which in part, I feel like maybe I, I, I mean, it's an obvious question to ask, but given what you've just said, it makes it even more interesting, but I'll ask it anyway. Did you witness firsthand a Jagjit any, sort of big gaps in wealth between families either in your community or in the bigger city of, of Kaputala or even extending it on further in the whole of the Punjab. I mean, would you say that there was extreme differences between, you know, when you would see people who were in the, the bracket of, of poverty and then people who, who had extreme riches, even within, within the same small communities? Did that happen a lot? Uh I would say that's not the truth in in near to my town and where I grew up because people were like sort of quite similar to each other. There were some people who probably have like very little, just enough. And there were some people they had more, but it wasn't like extreme, extreme, you know, mm. and everyone just rely on doing hard work. 
there was nothing anyone was doing better than others, but there were some things for, because, you know, some people did get some inheritance from the family. Mm, mm. So that was like good kick for them in their life to start from beginning to do good. But mm. some, they had to work hard to go there. So that was the difference I have seen. But yeah, uh, but if we talk about all India, yes, of course, there are people who are so poor and they don't have even food for one time. Mm. And there are people who have food for maybe the rest of their generations. So that's like quite really big mm. extremist thing I have seen. Where would you say off the top of your head is the worst place uh, or places in India for, for that kind of poverty, Jagjit? Mm. I would say we also have now this time in Punjab as well at some point. And, uh, but mostly I think out of Punjab is even more worst really because in yeah in in punjab we we are rely on more you know like on agriculture so agriculture means there's more work you know growing up rice and doing some labor so people get some work keep constantly interesting even poor or rich mm. yeah you know mm. they have business riches have a business poor have a work so yeah. it's it's like you know circle going on Mm, mm. But if you see outside the country, like I mean, outside Punjab, where there is a m- not more agriculture things, so that means there is a more poverty and there is a more sort of problems to find work. But that's why there is a you know like big, big uh, difference between poor people and rich people because they don't get enough work mm. to keep up their life and they don't have even one time food. Uh, On the other hand, who are businessmen, they are just making more and more. Mm, mm, of course. So, I mean, getting back to your community specifically, you, you didn't sort of come across any families that struggle to pay their day-to-day bills and have enough money for, for food and shelter? That never happened amongst the families you knew? Yeah, I would say we, because I just want to clear this, because we all, people from Punjab, have their own house which means they don't have to pay bills and then they don't have to pay their water bill because they have own tabs and, you know, on pump at home for water. And of course we had to pay some electricity and uh, some other stuff, but we like, I I didn't see so many people really struggling with that things like in Europe. And uh, yeah, I seen some people, they, they were like poor, you know, they had some different struggles but I, I never seen someone really like who is struggling with paying their bills. Mm, of mm. course, you know, there are some ups and downs, but that's a different thing. But no specifically somebody is really struggling with paying their bills. Yeah. No, Maybe thanks. One or two. No, no, thanks for that answer. Yeah. That was very comprehensive. Um, it kind of yeah. leads me to think, I mean, there's... <laughs> There's many famous films uh, popularized now. I mean, I think of Slumdog Millionaire and so on. So, I mean, I've never been to India, and that's one thing I'm definitely going to fix soon. But when you think of, um, I don't know which areas there are that would be like this, but do you know of any areas where there would be like a slum, literally next door to perhaps a a much wealthier village? And, And if you do know any places like that, would the people mix socially? Yeah, well, I think uh, I I can tell this straight away. Like I have seen that in Bombay. Even I haven't been there, but I have seen in the 
you know, movies and I have seen some photos from there and my friend have been there. It's like that's the thing you're asking. And uh, no, I don't have that in my, like in my area or any slums in next to me because people, as I mentioned, they all have their own little place. Even probably some have, you know, a bit better, some have a little less, you know, but they all have their own space and place to leave. Mm, mm. Which means we don't have any sort of trouble with that sort of slums. But of course, out of Punjab, yes, there are many, like in Bombay, Delhi. You will see there is a huge, big, beautiful house or building. and But on the other hand, it's, it's slums and, you know, poor people. And that, that's like great difference there. But in Punjab, no, I haven't seen that, and we don't have any struggles with that. Okay, and in places where where there are uh, again the slums, you know, where they're more common, is it like in in terms of um, should we call it social priority or whatever? Would would it be common or frowned upon for a family or a certain person who lives in a slum to get to hang mm. out and socialize with maybe a child from a much wealthier family? Yeah, I would say it depends, you know, like the people changes. Some people do like to, you know, go out with some other sort of people, but some like the same standard. So like I am not, you know, like huge, rich family. We were just like middle class people. But uh, we also have, you know, I also have settled down and sit down with the uh, people who are, you know, maybe more poor and they are a bit richer. So that means it, it depends on people, you know, like, mm. and uh, I have been in both sides. Uh, we, we were not rich, but uh, we had like enough. And uh, I had a good time with poor and rich, both people, like good balance, I would say. Yeah, no, that's so really, it's okay. That's nice. That's a really nice uh, way to look at it as well. Um, getting on to, <laughs> it's not, <laughs> it's, it's something that I have to ask. I've got a bit of an uh, obsession with snakes. I, I'm not the biggest fan of snakes. Um, I'm pretty scared by them. Like I've been places where I've seen snakes in front of me that are being sort of handled by a professional. I'm not the type to run away. I'd stand there for maybe a couple of meters. I'd look, I don't have a problem with that. I'm not going to (laughs) go running away screaming, but I have in the research I've done about uh, India, um, snake bite is more common there than pretty much in, well, anywhere else in the world. I think apart from a couple of other places, places in the far East, but did that affect anyone that you knew, Jagjit? Oh, sorry, Nat. I, I just wanted to say I, I had a bit struggle with the internet, but I hope that you can record me well this time. I understood your question that there is a many people who have bitten by snakes, mm. and uh, I have also heard many people, but I also knew personally the people who have been, you know, killed by a snake or they 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 died which is one of my auntie, like my mom's sister-in-law. Mm. She was just newly married and they have a kid like probably three, four months oh, old. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And she was just, you know, like sleeping with her family. Little kid was in between husband and wife and snake went on the bed and cross husband and then little children. Oh. And then he bite her from her you know, like breast, and that was like just shock to hear that. And she just died in just a few hours. Oh my goodness me! Yeah, 
That's very, very, I'm so sorry to hear it. It's a very, very sad story. I wasn't actually expecting you to say someone so close. Uh, I mean, I kind of expected that you might have said, yeah, I've heard it anecdotally or one or two, but it's, it's come so close to yeah. home. Um, and I mean, out of interest, was it uh, uh, the kind of snake that is found very commonly there? Do you, did they know what type of snake it was? Yeah, well, actually, as I mentioned already before that, we were like farmers. So we have to go often, you know, probably every day to three times out in the field, you know, get grass or some different food for buffaloes to fed them. And uh, when we go out, we often see, you know, snakes, sometimes they just pass from our leg and you don't notice it. And it was just like, you know, shock. Ooh, that was snake. <laughs> and uh, yeah. so that was like everyday story, probably, I would say. Many times I saw my dad, my cousin and some other people killing the snake in the street, sometimes even out in the field. And uh, and also I have heard that maybe two, three people killed in my village by snake. So, yeah, that was just quite normal to see them. But also we were able to reckon the snake if he's dangerous or if he's just, you know, like uh, eat the dust. So we can reckon that. And uh, But, yeah, mostly we try to avoid the snake. You know, it's, it's just you don't really know which one is, you know, like too dangerous or not. But we wouldn't want to take any chance. Yeah, but that was very common to see so many snakes around our town and i mean in your towns in the smaller towns and villages they can't have like medicine and anti-venom ready for you know if someone gets bitten they can quickly administer an anti-venom or medicine and help them get get better is that because of the i don't know the the facilities are not available in smaller places no I, i mean there were some you know like but it was very rare not everyone has that same ability to do you know like mm. uh, medicine treatment with the people so sometimes look you like for example let me tell you the real thing is like you or somebody else is getting bitten by snake and the person who can do you know like medical treatment he's already on work mm. so mm. he's not at home so that was the case sometimes i have seen you know people have got bitten by snake and then they went to somewhere whom they know that he can treatment and he have sort of some, you know, like different way to do these things and maybe just give a cut where the snake bite and, uh, but he's not at home. And then they went to next one and the, the guys died. Mm. So that was like serious story. Like not many people were there. And even if there were people, they had some other things to do. Also, mm. they were not just rely on one thing. Okay. They have to do other things. That was the reason. Yeah. So for those maybe visiting India, just I, I suppose the best advice is just enjoy it. It's an absolutely amazing country, but do be careful of snakes. You know, uh, uh, it's just one of those things that you have to watch out for. Um, and in many countries, there's always things that you have to watch out for. Yeah. And, that, and that's one of the ones in India. So. Yeah, I mean, the, the snakes are not just waiting for you, you know, on the road to no. bite you. It's, no. it's just... Yeah, it's just like sometime you are wrong time and wrong place sometime, and then then that's happened. Mm. But uh, we are quite safe now. Like I, we I have been mostly out when I was in India. As, as I said, that we had to go out and mostly stay out in the field. But it was okay. I never been you know bitten by snake. But it's it's pretty safe. But sometimes if you know it can happen, 
to like millions of people, maybe mm, 10 mm. people. So that's not too bad. Yeah. I would say. Moving a little bit south of uh, the Punjab region into um, Delhi. Now, you know, it's synonymous with India. Everyone's heard of Delhi. Um, with I understand that the pollution levels are pretty crazy there. I think the, the air quality index or AQI is like between 450 and 500 or something. At the last time I checked anyway. Um, first of all, have you been to Delhi? And is the uh, what is the pollution level like in your city? Yeah, I haven't been in Delhi. To, it, it was like really cloudy and, you know, like very much dirty. And I would say like, you know, same like Europe, you go somewhere and you find good places, but also somewhere is very dirty. But India, because of big population, there was some area like, you know, like slums and like big dirt on the other side and the good buildings are on the right side. So that's really difference to see there so i have seen that but yeah because of a lot of people in delhi and there is of course a lot of you know like dust and uh, pollution but in punjab we don't have that much because we don't have that many vehicles these days we do have people are you know growing up and they are getting more and more things Mm. but if i talk about like 10 or 15 years before no there wasn't and still it's big difference than Delhi. Mm. It's still much cleaner. Weather is clean and everything is big differences, much cleaner Punjab than mm. Delhi. Mm. That's good to know. I was just thinking as well, because especially with the farming culture there, if you're by yeah. definition outside much of your, you know, many of the hours of your day uh, farming yeah. uh, and you've got to do that in heavy pollution, that would be really, really difficult, wouldn't it? Yeah. Uh, there is just one difference, like, we, we don't have, like, you know, car pollution or some other sort of pollution. Mm. But there is one bad thing then when we cut off our, you know, like, rice or any other sort of agriculture. And mm. then there is some left. And the leftover, when it gets burned, you know, it's like thousands of miles land is just burning. So mm. all that pollution goes, you know, like, in the air. Of course. So that's bad. But that's not like, you know, everyday cases is maybe once or twice a year. Yeah. yeah. That's and, not I mean, of course, that can even contribute to, to global warming as well, can't it? Like uh, carbon emissions and so on. So, but I mean, these things are happening yeah. all over the world, really. So uh, that is something that perhaps governments might look to get on top of, on top on as well and improve. But with talking about farming still, just going back, back to that a little bit, has, has there ever been um, a farmer's strike in your part of India where basically the farmer's throw their hands up and say, hey, we're not doing this anymore. We want to be paid more for our produce. Uh, and if that has happened, what, what happened to the food and, and to, the, to the produce in the supermarkets? And, I mean, how did that look? I mean, it was like gradual process, like everything was growing up slowly, slowly. If there is a, they're more adding in expense of food and there is also more income. Because it's just like hand to hand, but I never seen like big protest like we had lately in India, and uh, that was like you know like huge, uh, huge protest in Delhi for almost one and a half year. And uh, but I never seen in my whole life like that. Maybe small, you know, like probably one day or two day, and then it was over. But never 
never like this for one and a half years. So this was like historical moment mm-hmm. in our agriculture world. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. So like, get, we've spoken a lot about poverty and a lot about wealth uh, earlier on, but what about the middle class? You know, people that find themselves roughly in the middle, which by definition should really be most people, but doesn't always work like that, uh, depending on the country uh, that you're in, obviously. Um, but yeah. how, how is the middle class in Punjab and India as, as a whole? Is it booming? Is it now doing better? That's That's what I read in one article anyway. Yeah, I think so. The middle class is doing better, as I can see by myself. Like, <laughs> like most of people in my family, you know, they are out and abroad. So some of us, you know, started our own businesses and mm. some are trying, you know, even I myself, I'm trying some new things. Awesome. So I have got the chance, you know, for that. And, uh, and the same way some other people, and even I would say even the the very poor people, I would say, they are even, you know, growing up now a little bit more in financial. But the thing is, if I would say, if if you don't use your mind in the right way, then you can't be, you know, successful. But if you use your mind in the right way, like how to manage your life, that's when you get the chance to grow up. And yeah. I love that. That's really uh, inspirational talk. That's awesome. What about... um wedding culture jagjeet like i i've got a lot of indian friends here in the uk and and abroad as well but i i've been to a few indian weddings and i i love them love mm. the dancing love the food we'll talk a bit about the food maybe later but um what is the wedding culture there in in again in punjab and india as a whole that you know of are people getting married now later on in life like they are in the western world or you know is is it not changed and and what about marriage and and the traditions surrounding marriage is it a big thing like it was before is that still carried over to the younger generations yeah well it's still carried on at some point because when you have you know if you are wealthy you can do whatever you want but suppose if you compare a two person who are both traditional but one got money and another one don't have money so they won't do the same thing you know same level that's the difference i would say if somebody got money they can hire you know like make a DJ for a week mm. and maybe have their relatives come over probably two weeks before they get married every day and feeding them and doing different things and dancing and, <laughs> you know, sharing whiskey with them. But on the other hand, if, <clears throat> sorry, if there is someone who's poor, you know, he or she would like to do the same, but they can't afford all that things. So the traditional is still there. But the things is upon on your financial situation. If you are financially good, you can you know do whatever you like as you want in a tradition or simple. But if you are like you know just normal class person or you don't want to spend more, then you try to keep it simple. So, uh, like you said, ask me that how things with young people now. Of course, people like to do their marriage in a traditional way, but also there is a big change. You know. People are getting the married, you know, who they like and school crush or maybe, you know, like college crush, whatever they like. And families agree with them. It wasn't like that before, like 10, 30 years ago, 10, 20 or 30 years ago. But now it's possible. People are changing now slowly. Mm. It's, I was just picturing when you said like a couple of weeks that the relatives come. If you're from a family of 10 children or something, 
uh, and you've got cousins and what have you, and they're all getting married, and you spend, let's just say you spend two weeks for each person in celebration with whiskey and food and whatever, you could <laughs> you could have a year where like six or seven relatives get married. That's like 14, that's like three months of the year you're, you're celebrating someone's wedding. <laughs> yeah, it feels like yeah. you, if you've got a big family, you're basically like a quarter of your life is just spent celebrating weddings. Well, that's very true, but it's also like, you know, it's all about how much you got. Mm. This is all expensive things, whatever you want to do. So, yeah, but the thing is, you know, they don't get married if we are 10 brothers and sisters in whole family. Mm. We are not getting married every week or every month. Mm. You know, one person, if we want to get married one year ago, two years ago, and like that, you know, different years and different time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Ah, oh, that's uh, that's funny stuff. But yeah, I suppose it. I mean, it comes down to money in a lot of places. But I was just intrigued to know. It's good to know, should I say, that the the traditions are carried on. Okay, it comes down to finances. But if you've got them, you you would still, um, you know, uh, follow those beautiful traditions that have uh, long been associated with uh, with Indian weddings. Another thing, Jojit, let's switch direction now. The Taj Mahal. I can't go through this podcast without mentioning the Taj Mahal. It is synonymous with India. Everyone knows about the Taj Mahal. Beautiful, beautiful building. Amazing. Um, have you been? Yeah, that's a tricky question. No, i never been. Actually. You've never been to the Taj Mahal? <laughs> no. Oh, I, like I, I had a plan, but the plan changes in, in coming to Europe, you know. Like we're so early in the age when the time we finished the study and this was the time to go out a little bit. And then I came... And they got me in Europe, so that's why I didn't have a chance. But I, I'm sure I would love to go to Thailand one day. No, of course. As, As I have heard a lot, yeah. I mean, most people that you know, again, would you say, or let, let's say your city uh, of Kaputala, mm. would you say as a percentage, uh, less than 50% have visited the Taj Mahal at least once or more? I would say the first one, less than 50%. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Is that because of finances again, I assume? It depends, you know, it's different. The, the, the way you grow up and uh, and you, you have more things in, in nearby you and uh, and then you don't look further unless you heard a lot from others. And uh, that's the reason. It's not only just financial system, but more than what you like or what you don't like. Because I never heard when I was, you know, at school, we were just having good time with my friends at school and then go home, work and do different stuff. And the ones I heard about, you know, like Taj Mahal, it was from movies. So I think there's a much more people who probably, even still in being in Punjab, they, they didn't know about Taj Mahal, why, you know, who made it and why and where it is. Mm. Yeah. So Interesting. Interesting stuff. So let's let's imagine now, hypothetically, that next month I'm coming to India and I'm going to visit some of these uh, villages and cities. Now, again, markets in India seem to be everywhere, at least from what I can gather um, through the research I've done. So could you speak us through the bartering system? You know, I, I come, I want to buy uh, a chapati or, or a beautiful bit of food or an item of clothing or something. And he says, OK, it's a certain amount of rupees. Um, how do I go about uh, bartering? How do I go about saying, well, actually, um, I want to pay this much or that much? Like, would you start at half of the value or 10% of the value or 30%? How, how do you go about it, Joji? 
all right <clears throat> but i wasn't good in that first of all like but uh, that's why we you know always used to get some other people with us oh i, I don't know how to do it but yeah of course if like they are saying hundred so i i would say my parents my mom or dad when we were young you know they used to go like 75 and uh, or maybe go for if they said 100 they go for 50 and then the guy would say okay no it's 8 90 they would say okay it's 65 that was you know like a little bargain there <laughs> so like half and then they end up you know with 60 65 or the last what like 70 out of 100 okay okay that's still pretty good discount isn't it so uh but so yeah. what, what you're saying is don't be afraid to barter if anyone here is listening and they want to visit india and they're in the markets yeah. barter yeah. yeah go in at half yeah yeah, yeah. okay and good. then you end up you know like 60 70 yeah still a good discount and and can that work yeah. in shops as well or just like in the markets i think in the markets and uh and uh because there is a no fixed prices, so you know things can. And maybe you know some people. If I don't know all of them, you know, there may be some people are selling things with you know very right manner or with the right price. They probably won't you know reduce it. Mm. But if somebody's getting something, they will say, okay, let's sell it. That's the thing, probably. No, of course. I'm just thinking yeah. of. Uh you know, your childhood there, I can imagine many fun days out at the markets and, you know, you go out and you buy some food and you're bartering for it and then you see a nice bit of clothing that you want to buy and it, it must be very, very adventurous. Um, I can just imagine that. And it's a very sort of, yeah. it carries a very sort of backpacking vibe. I can see why so many travellers have gone to India um, because it's, it mm. just seems to be such a fascinating place. Uh, and even just talking to you now, Jagjit, it's really uh, building up that desire within myself and I'm sure many others to to want to go there. And, and and live this experience for themselves. Yeah, like you said, I wasn't like so much like, you know, like not really crazy for the buying so many things. I was just happy to like eating good food and like whatever the parents bring it for us. Like the, the difference I have seen, you know, like this day's kids is the, they are 15 or 16 and they are always, you know, on the phone and spending like hours and hours on the phone. For us, it was different. Like for me, I was just going out with doing hard work, go to gym and go to play this and that, physical games. And uh, whatever parents bring, we just enjoy whatever they bring, you know, like clothes and uh, to food. We mm. were just more happy to have more food than clothes <laughs> and it's now it's, it's you know like now it's different now we we try to buy what is you know like best for us but at that point like i had learned the good thing from my childhood like if you you are good looking you don't need to wear the brands that's very like very if true. You, yeah if your physics is good you you're healthier you don't have to wear brand. So my attitude was, whatever I wear, this is the brand. Mm -hmm. Brand don't bring my personality up or who I am. Absolutely. It is okay. me. Whatever yeah. I wear, that will bring my personality. Yeah. And then that is brand what I wear. Yeah. So that was my attitude from childhood. That's truly lovely. I, I concur with that 100%, Jagjeet. That's, uh, that's beautifully expressed. What What was the most beautiful... Well, what were the most beautiful things about growing up in India as a child? Like you're in Portugal now, you're speaking to me from Portugal, but what are the things that you miss about life in India? 
yeah, the India was like, you know, first of all, this is our mother nation, like where I born and Punjab. And I miss to see my family sometime. And sometimes, you know, I, I miss to being around with the people I used to be with them, you know, like playing and visiting and go and doing different things. And most likely I miss more like the food we had and the, the milk every day, you know, my day was starting with the every day, starting with the milk and the dairy products. And that was like best morning for me. So I miss that a lot being in Portugal. Mm. And uh, also, of course, talking to family and, uh, you know, some affection from family. Mm, mm. But as as you spend more time without this thing, you're getting used to it with new things. Like, you know, you let go something, but you also gain some new things. That was now the attitude mm. being in Portugal. Yeah. And it's it's always true in anything in life. You know, you, you win and you lose. Um, it, life is just a compromise in so many areas, isn't it? And uh, <laughs> You have to embrace the changes on, on both ends. We spoke about the, yeah. the food a little bit earlier. I think you were talking about what they ate in the south compared to uh, in Kaputala, in, in the Punjab. What what about the food there? I mean, for example, in the UK, Indian food is a huge deal. It's everywhere, obviously, because we have a large Indian community. So they brought over some of their food. And it's obviously now there's like a fusion cuisine where it's become a bit more anglicized. Um but how would you say that the food in India compares from where you were in the Punjab to the south and even to the Indian food that has become popularized in the UK, in Portugal or in Europe as a whole? So for food, I always said, like I have been working you know, in restaurants and hotels and I also have some friends you know, from Europe. So always I tell them that the food you eating here in Europe or in any European cuisine or restaurant, it's way different what we eat actually in India. Mm. Even from South Indian and Indian from North Indian, the food is really different. You know, like for <clears throat> for us uh, from Punjab, the dairy products is like more involved in our food, like more traditional things to do everything with the dairy products. On the other hand, with South is like more fish and uh, rice and some other you know like uh, there's so many different food from south india also but now let's talk about this in uh, europe europe has adopted some things from india or even north india some spices but it's not exactly food we do eat every day at home mm, mm. our home style is much different and uh, way better i would say because i think that's that doesn't mean that we don't like restaurant food here in the Indian. <clears throat> we do ex- absolutely we like it, but when if you ask me which one is the more better one and you would prefer, I would say my home food, like food from my home, that is the best. That makes me and, want to go even more <laughs> to try it out. Yeah, yeah, it's just totally different. Was, and I, like, was it very spicy friend, as well? Sorry to interrupt there. No, sorry. It's, uh, no, it's very spicy, but it's a different way of spice. You will like, for example, the food we made at home. And there are a lot of videos sometimes came up on on some social media, you know, to see how they cooked. And that's like 
onion, ginger, and garlic. Mm. That's like a really base, and we put a lot. And then just the way our, you know, like if my mom or sister or anyone from my family, they made a food, the way they're making is is just, just, you know, looking at that food makes you feel like hungry and makes you feel eat more and more and more. That's why I think in my family, like every <clears throat> person from my family is like, you know, like huge, big, because we, we, we ate really well. And that's the reason because we cooked really well at home. So that's like, I would say it's a big difference in food. Mm, mm. I can imagine it made up a big part of the community life as well. Am I right in saying that, again, when you were in that village where there were like 600 people or 50 odd families, um, would you eat together? Would you cook together and eat together? Did that ever happen? Like with multiple families at the same place at the same time? Uh, no, I would say like not all of them together, but we did have like some feast, like, you know, if there is any like sort of party, then even like my family quite in every year three or three times does, you know, like invite all the village, even like all the relatives, five, six hundred people, they invite and they, you know, made some some food and they feast like, you know, all people. And uh, in that way, we do eat together, but not like if, you know, like not my mom will cook for 50 people. That's not possible. But like for relative, if they visit, like probably I would say like, 20 people mm. yeah 20 okay. 20 25 people can you know get together in my home and and they can eat together mm. but uh, for whole village yeah we have like different sort of feast yeah and, yeah. yeah makes sense what about um we haven't spoken about language i know that in goa uh they even have portuguese speaking people or portuguese speaking areas what, what about you do you uh do you speak hindi i mean what what is it like in uh or obviously Punjabi. I mean, what what are the language groups from from where you were from? Okay. Yeah, you know that in in India there is a uh, every state has a different language. Mm. So I have my mother tongue is Punjabi. So I'm from Punjab, and uh, then I I spoke Hindi. I can speak good Hindi, you know, like fluent, and because of Bollywood as well. But that's also like our national language, mm. and uh, then. I when I came to Europe, I wasn't speaking any language. But then I start with French, English, and uh, like in five years, and then Portuguese now. And uh, now I, I I can go for a bit more languages, you know, like even some German and uh, some uh, Italian, Spanish. Like yeah, before I was just only stick with you know Punjabi and Hindi. Mm. And of course, they were they are relative languages like Bangladeshi, Nepali, Bengali. So these are the language I can't pick up everything, but I can pick something from them. Yeah, like they're related. And, uh, yeah, yeah, related. And uh, Urdu from Pakistan is is like same, you know, like our language, but we can't read and write. That's the thing. But right. So it's, it's a different speak, script. We can, yeah. Uh-huh. but the same language but different scripts okay yeah and now you said so you speak fluent portuguese close by not really fluent but i i understand quite well that's very I good speak, yeah and french french uh, i i spoke in the first two years when i came wow fluently but then i 
that was also like close by, but then I moved to Portugal. So I speak more English now. As you can see, I'm not native English, but I would say my English is just okay. No, that's uh, pretty amazing. So you, you basically speak two or three languages fluent and several others at a very good level. That's pretty incredible stuff, Jagjit. Yeah, I think it's, it's good practice. I like. I always wanted to speak English good. And, uh, and you're doing a very, very good job. I mean, you've even been able to do a podcast interview with many uh, questions about various uh, facets of your life back home, and you've done you've done really, really great. It's it's pretty amazing stuff. Yeah, thank you so much for that. But I was thinking that I hope that I can do the you know like this podcasting because I'm not native English, but I'm confident that I can. But. You've, I you, hope that everyone who listen will enjoy it. You've absolutely, Jagjit. You've done a very, very good job. Were, were most uh, people as well? We've we've discussed food. We've discussed um, uh, the language groups as well. What about religion? Uh, were most people religious from uh, from the Punjab? Were they Hindu? Were they Christian? What, what's going on with that? Yeah, in Punjab we are mostly like Sikh. Sikh ah, you're Sikh. Okay, now, so neither Hindu or Christian. Sikh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, mostly, but but now, like uh, now, the more Christianity there, and uh, people are, you know, like they got the freedom to they can choose whatever they want, and we also have Hindu, and uh, in Punjab even we have Hindus, and people mm. are really religious, and uh, and they are really people who follow the religious with the heart, and uh, you know, like very much with the faith. But uh, I guess sometimes it's good to, you know, use mind as well. Sometimes they use good heart for that. But, uh, yeah, they're very religious. Yeah. Cool. Interesting to know. Um, Another question as well. Having lived now, obviously you've been in Portugal for a few years. So you've been in the hub of Europe now for for several years um, compared to the the first 19 or 20 years of your life in, in India, in the Punjab. How would you compare, it's a very broad question, so feel free to answer this in, in whichever way you see fit, but how would you compare the quality of life between the Punjab and where you are now? And I know that's, you know, we can't compare the whole of India to the whole of Europe because there, there are subsections, you know, which part of Europe, which part of India. But let's specifically talk about your life in Punjab and now your life in Portugal. How, how does it compare, Jagjit? All right, so the first thing I would say, we never have to pay the rent. On the opposite side, we have to pay rents here for build, car, house. You know, everything is just like expensive life. Is you at the same me. time, you, <laughs> absolutely, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like everything is. Uh, it's, so this is great difference between India and uh, sorry Punjab and here. I never had to cook food for myself, like you know, washing or cleaning or whatever. We were helping family in a different way. But we didn't have to worry about these things and the food. We we like you know accumulate the food for for a year. So here we try to see you know like maybe weekly or maybe monthly. But in India, it was you know like you you got the food for a year and you just don't worry about the rest of your year because you you have a lot. Mm. And that was a big difference when I came here. You know every time and then doing your own things and and uh, like more independent I, I would say when i came to europe I, I got more independent and i learned life from different angle and different way 
And I appreciate that. I I do miss, you know, India and all the good times I had there. But I also appreciate where I am now because I have learned a lot about, you know, like Europe and uh, about life, how to be with the people, you know. And, uh, yeah, it taught me a lot of things. And uh, in India, like in Punjab, we had, a, like, family gatherings, so in, in Europe, you know, in Portugal, it's not like that. You don't have many families coming around and you, you are not going, you know, like to visit anyone unless somebody really knows you well or you're a good friend to them. So this is a big difference. Absolutely. In and, India. Mm. Sorry. No, no, no. You, you continue by all means. Yeah, I mean, like in India, there was like people, you know, they just want to... They're passing by your street and you say to hello to them and they will come and they would they would they would say in a fast oh I'm in a hurry I have to go and if you make tea and they will sit in a, like you know two hour and that's that's good thing you know that they were in a hurry but <laughs> they're sitting two hour and it's 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 good thing you know like and then it's now this time we see the life here and you have to ask people and people don't have much time and uh, so busy and uh, it is quite good to see the difference between life you know in india like we say okay i'll see you tomorrow and i make appointment if if there is a no united police case or something else tomorrow can be any any time from 12 hour <laughs> you know it's not so, specifically yeah. this time it can be any hour That's if i amazing. say i'll see you tomorrow yeah. That is amazing. But you don't in, even need to give a time, just say tomorrow. Yeah, and that can be any time. And in here is different, you know, I'll see you tomorrow ten o'clock. I see you tomorrow one o'clock. So that means you have to be there, you know, at that time. And I would say in Portugal is still we have a little bit like laid back life, like Oh absolutely. Still, you know, yeah, it's very laid back there. Yeah. Quite quite chill and quite happy here. So I, I would say sometime I am not far from India. Portugal is really good and calm life and the much more is, is beautiful to see the, you know, views every time you go to next beach and you find beautiful views, sea and the weather. It's just amazing. Mm. I, I really appreciate that. Yeah. Mm. Beautiful, be- beautiful. But the life is really good in Portugal. Yeah. Oh, it is. It is. I've, I've been a couple of times. I want to come again. It's it's yeah. very, as far as Europe goes, it's, it, you're, you're right, Jagjit. It's a very laid back way of life and uh, it's nice that you can even compare it in some ways to your life back in India. Um, that's, that's really cool yeah. as well. What about, um, before I sort of close this, this podcast off, what about uh, listeners who are yearning now even more to go to India and they want to go specifically to the Punjab? Could you give those listeners your top recommendations of places that they absolutely must visit when they go? I mean, uh, if they just go to Punjab, even just being in a Punjab will be a different experience for their life, the the way people live there, you know. And then we have, like, you know, Golden Temple and then uh, then Himachal Pradesh is not far from Punjab. And uh, and then just visiting a small towns with the big population is just amazing. Chandigarh is a like like more like you know like urban area we call it Chandigarh so that's quite famous people likes to go there like you know downtown and people likes to be there so uh, for me even if somebody from Europe or any listener would like to go to India 
of course there's like there's Taj Mahal, you know, like do you see the Bombay city? <laughs> and then there's a Kolkata, different and Jammu Kashmir. There are nice, you know, areas where people can visit and the same country but with the different weathers. And uh, but yeah, the Punjab I would say it will be a different experience for anyone who would like to go to India. Fantastic. The way of life. Yeah. What I wanted to ask you as well, which I've just realized I haven't even asked, you said that when you came to Portugal, there were new opportunities uh, to learn to be with different people. So when you were in your part of India, did you see many different uh, nationalities, different races of people coming to visit? Because obviously in Portugal, you're now in in the hub of a very culturally mixed place, uh, as many places are in Europe, you know, where you see all sorts of different people uh, looks wise. And they're from different places, different backgrounds, different uh, uh, languages and so on. Um, so, you know, how how are tourists and, and visitors, travellers, how are they uh, treated when they go uh, to India? Did you have any first-hand experience of that as well? Yeah, well, I mean, when we were kids and we see any white colour or blonde colour person, like, you know, and uh, English or any European person, we were, like, you know, so happy and, you know, run run after them just to like uh just to you know, see them and just to hear them how they speak and just so happy like they are film stars <laughs> yeah oh, that's but nice. now yeah. you know being in europe now it's become like normal for us and if somebody still goes in india people will be still you know treating them in the same way like but it's it's a bit more now people are more aware now you know like because of social media they have seen and the people have more education now. But I think there wasn't like many people from Europe. What we did have some people around India who were, who were, you know, came to Punjab for work and to do different things. But yeah, I, I would say if, if people, you know, like go to India and with Punjab, that will be a good thing for them to discover a different country. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Jack G, it's been an absolute pleasure uh, for for you coming on. I've really appreciated it. Thanks for all of the information. You've you've spoken to us about your own personal life as well. Uh, that takes courage. Thanks for coming on and telling us all about your personal experiences growing up there. Uh, and I wish you all the best with your new life in Portugal. You've You've given us a fascinating insight into life in India, and now you've you've got a new life in Portugal. Maybe who knows? In a few years, when you gain some expertise about Portugal, we can have you on again to to discuss what life is like there as well. Yeah, Jagjit, I'll try you. So, thank you very much for having me and here my experience about my my country or the way I grew up, and I really appreciate that, and I hope that people will like it and uh, thanks again Ned, for for you to calling me here and i really really appreciate that well my guest today was jagjit singh from the punjab region of india what a fascinating insight we've had hopefully you feel that he's educated you with an amazing inside look into life growing up as a child in the punjab region of india how it really was to be a local growing up there and living life day to day I feel like it's almost been an armchair discussion where we've, we were transported into the mind of someone who lived that life firsthand. Nothing better than speaking to a local. He's given us a, a true feast of information. And I hope your admiration of India has grown, as I know that mine has too. 
Well, if you've enjoyed today's episode, please do share it with a family member or friend who you think would get something out of it. And if you haven't already, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. My name is Nate Ralph, and you've been listening to The Inquisitive Tourist. <laughs>